Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Bulls to Joshua chapter, well, just Joshua. Chapter one's just fine. We're going to cover the whole book today, so, you know. Hope you're comfortable. Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. Joshua is after Deuteronomy. Joshua, um, in in the timeline, (laughs) or if you're reading the Bible and you're doing, uh, if you're doing your Bible chronologically, um, Joshua is in a much needed space because it's right after Deuteronomy, which is also known where you fell asleep a lot. Um, And then you get to Joshua, and then all kinds of stuff is getting ready to happen, okay? All kinds of fun things are getting ready to happen, and Joshua is in a a great spot for that. But what is happening, what the context of Joshua is going on here is Moses has passed away. The greatest leader that Israel has ever known has died. And Joshua's job is to pick up that mantle and lead from there. That is where he's going to be. That is what he's going to do. That is basically his job description, to fill the shoes of the greatest leader that the country of Israel had ever known. Hand the man a roll of Rolaids. Right? That is his job. And so uh, that, is, that is the guy we're going to talk about today. We're going to get pretty uh, in-depth into Joshua and what he has to speak and what his life has to speak into our own hearts. And we're in the middle of a series called Hall of Fame leaving a legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? And today's legacy is leaving a legacy of courage. Leaving a legacy of courage. So what we have here in Joshua is a man who has been trained by Moses. He's been second or third in charge for a long time. Before this, Moses and Aaron kind of did all the decisions and Joshua was the general, but he always operated under whatever Moses told him to do. Joshua was a spy. He was a head spy that invaded 40 years ago and, and, and laid out the land in Jericho. And what's going on? What's, what's happening here? And came back. He was always kind of second in charge, third in charge. And now that is up to him to do. And that weight is being placed on him. It's not just him he's in charge of. It's not just the army he's in charge of. It's not just his family he's in charge of. He's in charge of this whole mass of people. They've been parading around the the desert for 40 years. He's now in charge. And so that weight, that that excitement, whatever that weighs on him, I can only imagine what what that looks like. Anytime someone has to fill the shoes of a, of a charismatic uh, leader, that's got to be incredibly difficult. Someone who, who <laughs> I think of maybe a president here in, in, in our country that had been assassinated. You think of trying to fill the su- shoes of Abraham Lincoln. Okay, how am I going to do this? <laughs> fill the shoes of JFK. Uh, okay, nobody wanted to meet his president. How, how, does, this, how does this work? You imagine there'd be a spirit of fear that would accompany that. Much like when you're a dad and they hand you that baby for the first time and you go, whoa. Right? You, don't, you think you're prepared, unless you're really smart and then you know you're not prepared. But like, you think 
you, you're like, okay, it's a baby. Sure, I've watched a show. They gave him, I held her hand during Lamaze class. Like, you know, I, I was there. I, I, my dad sure didn't make this look very hard. He didn't do anything. No, I'm playing. Uh, not, not personal experience there. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know we, we, we think, oh, this is not going to be that bad. Until that little bundle gets handed to you, or in my case, they hand you two at a time, and then you go, I don't know what I'm doing. Is there a bucket I can, yeah. Um, that's what happened to me. They handed it to me. Kelly, uh, in that moment, Kelly is uh, under the epidural and they, they just in the, the stuff, the things, and the other stuffs. Um, and she's sitting there and she's having a reaction. Um, she had had bronchitis at the same time that. And so with all the different drugs that were going on, she was like, I don't want to be here and I don't want to touch these kids and I don't want to look at your face and I don't want to see anything at all. And, um, and so I'm like, Hey babies. And she's just looking at me like, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what do you do now? I got, I got two. <laughs> you want them now? No. <laughs> so you got that, that little look like, Oh, that's a, that's an option. I didn't know that was an option. Right? Now, of course, Kelly loves her children very much, and we're going to destroy the last 30 seconds for Bowen and Kendall's uh, existence. But it was just, it was the drugs that was messing with her brain and going, I can't move. Um, and so there was this going on. And I remember thinking, I'm holding these babies in my hands. And I am totally unqualified for this op- operation. What am I going to do with you? And you're looking at their faces and you go, oh my goodness. Joshua's in a moment. I don't know if he's in a praying moment, if he's, he's just looking at the sea of tents. Moses has passed away and God says, hey, lead these people into the promised land. Hey, <laughs> that really sounded like a better idea when Moses was still in charge. Remember? Really sounded like a better idea. This whole fatherhood thing really sounded like a cooler idea when it was still in her belly. Because <laughs> it was like, yeah, hey, I'll give you a Doritos. This is great. We get to eat whatever we want for once. <laughs> oh, you want steak? That's what Kelly craved was steak. <laughs> you know? This is great. Fatherhood's great. Oh, wait, that ends? Okay. We step into that, and God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. He speaks into this moment of absolute fear and goes, he knows what he's doing. He knows what Joshua is thinking about. He knows the fear that goes along with this. And he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. See, Joshua is answering or asking the question that every man asks. It's this question. Do I have what it takes? It's why we like watching John Wayne movies. It's why we like watching all these like war movies and stuff like, yeah, Gladiator, Maximus has what it takes. He sacrifices himself, but he changed the world. Woo! I'm the only one that likes this, okay? Thought I'd get a little smile out of somebody. Yeah, that's because that's the question men are always asking of themselves. Do I have what it takes? That's why uh, I love coaching baseball and these little boys because baseball is the ultimate do I have what it takes sport because it's a team sport except every time you're asking the question that's a one pitcher one batter 
I, me against you, do I have what it takes to perform in this situation? And you can watch them all of a sudden take that little dial like, I did have what it takes. I did have what it takes. I didn't have what it took. Okay, how do we help you have what it takes? And that's my job as a coach is I'm actually trying to answer that question for these kids so that they, when they can deal with other stuff in life, they can deal with it. They might not understand that's what I'm trying to teach them, but that's what I'm, I'm going after. Because it's that question, do I have what it takes? Now, ladies, that comes with some serious responsibility. Because in your marriages and how you deal with your own father and how you deal with your husband and, and, and your, even your sons, is they're constantly asking the question, do I have what it takes? How are you going to respond to that question? There's some serious wounds that happen there. There's some serious wounds that happen from our own fathers. When we were asking the question, do I have what it takes? And no, you're dumb and you don't have what it takes. As dads, we have to speak into that and, and build up. Yes, you've got what it takes in this and this and this and this. And it's our job to prepare them to have what it takes. A woman's question of her heart is, am I loved? And so when you have these two questions of a man's heart and a female's heart of, am I loved and do I have what it takes? And if they're clashing and they're answering the question wrong, you start to see how things start to get divided farther and farther and farther and farther and farther apart. Because the more that she doesn't feel loved, the more she lashes out and says, you don't have what it takes, you're a loser. And the more he feels like he's a loser, the more he's like, I don't want to love you. And so you get this cycle that spins you out of control. And so when we're talking about marriage counseling or how do we start even the turn is speaking into those big questions. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, I love you. You're safe with me. I'll be, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, now we're starting to come back closer. You see how that works? That's real easy. I just gave you fixing your marriage in 30 seconds. That's not easy. That's about as easy as, yeah, be a dad. Here's twins, right? <laughs> I understand that's not easy, but that is the way in which that works because these fundamental questions that we have that we're asking. And what God is speaking to these fundamental questions is be strong and courageous. I want to show you in, in uh, Joshua 3, it talks about the Jordan River being at flood stage. And so what Joshua is leading us into um, is he's, God has prepared him, said, be strong and very courageous. You've got this. I'm with you. Let's go. And Joshua says, all right. So his first thing that he's called to go do is invade the promised land. Now we think about, I've got a land for you and it's, it's going to be awesome. We think, oh, great. It's, it's, there's people that actually live there. <laughs> so this is, we, we kind of, pass over that in Sunday school because we don't want to talk about Israelites, you know, invading places and killing people, but it's kind of important to the, the whole thing. They're reclaiming this land. They're coming into the land and they got to force the people that live there out because this is the land that God has promised them. It's a reality of what's going on. But Joshua was a spy, if you remember 40 years later, and when the spies came back, they said, hey, um, there's really big grapes over there, but there's also giants, and one of the peoples that, that they came into was actually the ancestors of Goliath. So all these really big guys are around there. They're like, oh, I don't really want to pick a fight with a giant. Just saying. It's not on my to-do list. And to Joshua, who remembers seeing the giants, remembered spying the land, God says, you have what it takes. Get the people, march them over there, let's go. And so Joshua, his first act is leadership. Hey, it's, it's a really easy one. I don't get to like, you know, call manna from heaven or, 
You know, just have a party. We get to invade. <laughs> All right. So his first act, he thinks is going to be go to war. Before he can even get to war, he shows up. The Jordan River, which is usually what we would as Midwesterners call a creek. Like, it's usually from me to Josh wide. It's not big. That's usually. But at flood stage, we got a video for you. Maybe. Oh, there we go. So Joshua shows up. Where'd my nice creek go? Hey, God, you know, this is my first thing, right? <laughs> like, this is like my first day on the job, and you give me this. Now, we're pretty familiar with rivers that look like this right now, right? Uh, so the Jordan River, if you ever are reading the Bible and talk about the Jordan River, think of the DuPage. Like this river right here is pretty close to the same size of that. Um, it's not the Des Plaines, it's not the Mississippi, it's not the Ohio. Like, I always thought, growing up here, in every time we're going to, uh, I grew up on the Ohio River, and so when the Bible says something about a river, I was like, the Ohio, yeah. Then, when I was 18 years old, I got the chance to go to Israel, and I was like, that ain't the Ohio, <laughs> right? So, to my dad, who grew up in Kansas, he was like, you know, if you spit, that's a river in Kansas, and so, that is just a different way of frame of thinking, and so... I want you guys to get into your heads what that would have felt like to a group of people who just spent the last 40 years wandering around in the desert. No single person can swim. No one's a certified lifeguard. We don't know any CPR. No one's got little buoys to throw out. My first job, a day on the job as a leader is to get them to go across that raging river. Do you see where, where Joshua's anxiety is coming from? That's what you're calling me to do? Do you not see this? Also, to put on top of that, well, it's Moses, one of Moses' first miracles. He gets to go in there on the night of the Passover. He does his, you know, Charlton Heston thing and the, the, the Red Sea parts, and he goes, so not only are you asking me to part, go through this thing, lead these people on my first day with nobody that could swim, and all those people that went through the Red Sea the first time are dead, so they don't even remember this, and you're asking me to follow in Moses' footsteps. If I screw this up, well, there was Joshua. He didn't have what it took. Moses got us across the Red Sea. Joshua can't even get us across the Jordan River. Do you see how this is a problem? And so the words that are being spoken into his life are be strong and very courageous. And the same words that we need to hear in our own lives as people of God to be strong and very courageous. I don't know what your rushing crazy Jordan River is right now, but I keep on getting prayer requests. I know there's stuff going on and on and on and on, and there's a heavy feeling in the room because life is hard. And so God, I want, I want you to hear that God is speaking into your heart this morning, no matter whatever you're facing, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with, will be with you wherever you go.
For some of us, in the stuff we're facing at work or at home with our kids, we need to hear this. We need to hear that do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. When you leave what you know, it may not have been comfortable, but when you leave what you know to go to the promise, that's scary. There's rushing water around you. Be strong and courageous. Hard moments happen. It's a fact of life. Hard moments happen. Who we choose to believe in those moments defines us. Hard moments are going to happen. You will have, in this world, you will have trouble. Hard moments happen. Who we choose to believe defines us. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people and inherit a land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Who is Joshua going to believe? I'm sure there's people chirping in his ear. Uh, that's water. I'm sure he's got people going, that's, that doesn't really seem like a good idea, a good allocation of resources there, Joshua. Who's he going to choose to believe? The people there say, nah, let's, not do, let's go wander around the desert a couple more years. I'm a little really sick of manna and quail, okay? So can, can we please do something else? Those grapes 40 years ago are amazing. It was like the last time you had fruit. <laughs> so hard moments happen. Who do we choose? And, uh, wait, sorry. Who we choose to believe defines us. Who are we going to listen to, God or man? Who do we listen to in these moments? For me, it's... it's I kind of get, okay, sure, you get to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. He's going to lead the whole nation of Israel. What does that have to do with me? I'm not leading the nation of Israel. I think uh, Paul is kind of following along in the same um, mindsets later in Colossians. This is 2,000 years later, maybe 3,000 years later. And Paul is looking at these scriptures. He knows the story of Joshua, and he says, okay, how am I going to impart that into a new people that don't know about Joshua very much and that I can I can implore them to live this life out as well. And he says this in Colossians 1, 11 and 12. Be strengthened by all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What he is saying is you have what it takes. He's speaking into a people who are living into a, into a non into, into an environment that's hostile to them. And he said, guys, I know life is crazy. I know life is hard. I know you've got all these issues. I know, I know when you believe in Christ, some of the, the support structures that you have in life are being ripped apart from you. But I'm telling you this, you have what it takes. Be strengthened in that. Hardships happen. How we respond to the hardships determines the outcome. Hardships are going to happen. Life is going to be rough. But how we respond to those challenges determines the outcome, determines how we're going to parent. It determines how we're going to have a marriage, determines how we're going to be employed. 
Things aren't going to be rosy all the time. They're not. That's not life. But how we respond to them, how we overcome them, how people get to see what, how we react in those situations, that, that determines a lot in life. Joshua's, what he's doing by invading here is he's moving a people's mindset from being that of being slaves to being wanderers to being conquerors. And this mindset is hard to, to think about someone overcoming, like moving from a slave mindset where everything is provided for me, but also I am just being beaten down and told what to do all the time to going to, no, I'm going to take control of my own destiny and I am going after it. That is a hard sell. That is, that is some serious psychological work that Joshua has got to impart into their life and say, you can be better than this. This is the land that you are promised. This is the land we're going to go after. This is who we're going to become. And he's speaking into that. Joshua 1.8 says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So he's even saying to them, like, how am I going to change my mindset? How am I going to move from a slave mentality to a conquering mentality? I got to keep this book of law, this how God wants me to live on my lips day and night. That's when you'll be prosperous and successful. Paul echoes the same type of sentiment in Colossians 2, 6 or 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthen in faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. This word strength keeps on coming back and coming back and coming back. What is being taught is we are not slaves anymore. We're being conquerors in Christ. That we need to move this idea from, well, this is who I am and this is how it's always been. And I'm stuck in this behavior and I've been here and nothing's ever going to change. Maybe you go, well, that's how my dad treated me, and that's how I treat my kids, and that's just how it's always going to be. Or maybe you think, well, I did. I married my father, for good or bad, whatever attributes that is, and that's the way it's always going to be, and you never think anything's ever going to get any better or change. And in that, we speak this status quo, this mediocrity that we're just accepting but it's through courage and through strength of God that we say, no, something can be better than this. I can be better than this. I don't have to accept the slavery that I've been in, the slavery to whatever addiction I've had, the slavery to whatever bad habits I've had. I can be better than this through Christ who strengthens me. Hard choices happen. Who we follow shapes us. Hard choices are going to happen. Who we follow shapes us. We see this all, I see this all the time with people. There's influencers in your life, and you go, I want to make the better choice. I want to have a better marriage. I want to raise my kids better. I want to do this, this, this. That's the goal, Jared. I'm going to go for it. Okay. And then you go and have a conversation with that person. And you may be related to that person. They may have been your drinking buddy for the last 30 years. I don't know who that person is. It may be your mama. It may be your dada. It may be your sister. It may be your brother. Whatever it is, you go and you talk to that person, and then you're right back stuck in that same pit that you were in just a second ago. Who you choose to follow 
shapes you. Not to follow Jared, not to follow people in the church, not to follow, you know, whatever. Following after Christ shapes us. Cutting out all of the other voices. There's people that can speak into your life, but who has the megaphone? Verse 9 says, have I not commanded you? Have you not listened? Because what I say to you is this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord God, your God will be with you wherever you go. Who has the megaphone? Because this should be the megaphone moment in your life. This should be the megaphone blaring in your ears. Have I not commanded you? This is the same God that says, I am who I am. It's the same God of Moses who parts the Red Sea, who provides the quail, provides the manna, who, who does all the different miracles of the last 40 years and has been doing all the miracles of the last millennia. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I know there's giants over there. Who cares? What is that up to me? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. I know the water's running fast. Who created the water? Do I not have power over that as well? Be strong and courageous. Whatever you're facing in your life, you're looking at these different problems, and maybe you want to run and hide from them. But I want you to hear God speaking into your heart this morning. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. There is a reason we are called to be strong. There is a reason. Because strength is not needed for lightweight tasks. Strength is not needed for lightweight tasks. The other day, um, we own a big old honking, and that is a technical term, a big old honking jump house here at the church. <clears throat> and I, someone talked to somebody in the business uh, world here, they wanted a they were doing a bunch of donations and really cool stuff in the community. And I said, hey, I got a jump house. Will that help you? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And so I opened my big mouth and said, I'll bring it over. <laughs> thing weighs like 300 pounds. So I needed strength to move it. I'm not calling my mom and Kelly to come help move the stinking, you know, 300-pound bounce house. <laughs> so I call people I know that are strong. So I didn't have to do any work. It's leadership, folks. I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> kind of worked out that way, but that's okay. Uh, strength is not needed for lightweight tasks. If the thing ca- weighed 20 pounds, I wouldn't need a call for help. Right? Strength is not needed for lightweight tasks. And this is why there's a prayer for uh, be strong and courageous. Work on this because there's going to be difficult things that happen that's going to actually require strength. If you are a lifter and you never lift anything heavy, guess what? You're not going to be strong at all. You can look good. You can do it for the gram. Right? You can go over there and be like, oh, I did one, one rep and I'm in front of the mirror and I'm cute. But there's no strength there because strength is required for heavy things. There's a reason we are called to be courageous. Courage isn't needed for easy obstacles. Right? Courage isn't needed for easy obstacles. For easy things, you don't need to be courageous. You know, Lucy right now, <clears throat> she, 
She is insane with most of the things that she does, but she doesn't like heights. She gets that from her sister, I think. And so she, she, if we're on this one and a half foot platform and she's like, I jump, jump you me? Means catch you. Jump you me? And she'd be here scared out of her mind. Except she'll go put her hand down the throat of a, you know, an 80 pound dog. She doesn't care at all. She'll be courageous on that. But there's these little moments, I don't have to be courage here. You don't even need the courage to be courage. You're not going to fall. If you fall, you're not going to get hurt. Now there's plenty of other things that you'll be hurt if you jump off of. But there's a reason we're called to be courageous because courage isn't needed for easy obstacles. It's not. It's not. And so many often in our walk in life, we're like, oh man, I feel like when I become a Christian, everything should be easy and everything should be light and I should never have to do anything hard ever again. I want you to hear this. The call of God on Joseph, uh, Joshua's life is the same it is on you. Be strong and courageous because you are called to do difficult things. You are called to lift hard, heavy things. You are called to go into situations that will need courage. That may be where you are, your mission field, but that also may be your life, your house, your marriage, your children. Be strong and courageous. We've bought into a lie that just because we're a Christian, that means everything's easy street. That's not the way it works. At all. We bought this lie. Hook, line, sinker, we swallowed that thing. It's down in our guts good. We think, we think that because, we, oh, I gave my life to Christ, everything should be hunky-dory. That is not how this works at all. What it guarantees us is the strength to get through it. And the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through those moments. Not that those moments won't happen. Because even if you are a Christian, people still get sick, people still die, people still lose jobs. Those aren't guarantees. What guarantees is that I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Because in that, we get to show our sons how to live. It's a lie that keeps people away from Jesus. It's a lie that keeps people away from God's heart. Because I look in this room and I see people who have gone through all kinds of terrible things. From all kinds of different heartbreak. All kinds of different abuse. All kinds of just trash in life. And it's so easy to get mad at God and be like, God doesn't love me. God, where were you? You don't care about me. It's a lie of Satan. Because he doesn't say you're not going to have the problems. He doesn't say you're not going to have the trouble. He says, I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. In these moments, we get to step up and we get to say, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to step through it. And that is a moment in which you get to make the choice. Do I have what it takes? God says you do. Let me be your strength. Let me be your courage.
We fall victim to this lie so often. It takes, we've seen our relatives fall victim to it. We've seen people in our lives <clears throat> fall victim to it. And it's our job, even if, when we see people around us falling victim to those things, to be strong and courageous and speak the truth. Whenever God is up to something, it always requires our participation. And this is where the strength and this is where the courage comes in. Whenever God is up to something, it always requires our participation. Think about the miracles. When Moses is fighting the Amalekites, actually Joshua's fighting them, but uh, Moses is kind of on a hill. And Moses is sitting down on a rock, and as long as he keeps his hands up, they're winning the battle. But you can do this for like 10 minutes before you start getting some massive cramps, right? So as soon as his hands start to dip, they start losing the battle. Well, you got pretty good motivation to keep your hands up. So what he does is two guys come over, and they put their hands on their shoulders, and they stand there all day long so they can win the battle. What is, why I tell you that story is because it required, Moses was God like, well, Moses is invalidating any promises that we have. Whoop, whoop. He's watching to smite. No, no, no. It was requiring some sort of buy-in. The leader has said, I know what's going on. I have bought into this. It's his participation. And when the feeding of the 5,000 happens, could Jesus have just gone, everybody gets a Lunchable. He could have been the Oprah. You get a Lunchable and you get a Lunchable. He could have done that, right? I needed to laugh, and you needed to as well. Um, but what required is a little kid came up and gave him his Lunchable. And, then, and Jesus says, all right, boom, let's do this. When, when Jesus uh, restores the sight of a blind guy, I always thought, Jesus, you're a jerk. You spit mud in this dude's eye. Like, that's not very nice. Yeah, you gave him his sight back, but goo, right? It requires precipita precipita precipitation? precipitation and participation. <laughs> uh, so he, spit, he, he spits, he makes the mud. He goes, hey, puts it in his eyes and says, go, wash it out in the pool across town. Thanks, Jesus. But it requires, I can't do it now, participation. Whenever God is up to something, it requires our participation. And that's why he says, go ahead and be strong and courageous. Because I'm calling you to do something. No matter how the size of the miracle. Yes, God does 99.9999% of all the work. All we do is like, mm. okay, you're in, it, you're in. You gave me the Lunchable. You held your hands up. Good boy. Right? Just like me with coaching baseball. Yay. You stood there and didn't pick dandelions. That's our win for today. Right? That's about the, ima the amount of participation. Golly, that government, I can't do it. Of participation we need to have with God's miracles, but he invites us to say, hey, Paul, I want you to be a part of this. Okay, be strong and courageous because all I need you to do is take one step forward. Okay, here we go. And that, that opens the floodgates for miracles to happen. The same thing's happening when the Jordan River, you got this... I do my own sound effects, only child here, go of Jordan River just flowing by, flowing by, flowing by, flowing by, and it just takes one person to go, oh my goodness, and they step into the river, and God's up to something that requires our participation. Some of us are sitting there, God, why don't you just show up? Why don't you do something? God must not be real because he didn't do anything in this situation. When the call, he's going, but I called you to be strong and courageous, to step up, to move, to take any step whatsoever. Just lift a finger, and all of a sudden, the floodgates of my power will be channeled in that moment. 
It may not look like the way you want it to look like. It may not have the outcome that you thought was possible. But whenever God is up to something, it always requires our participation. Participating in the God activity in our life is like going to a dinner that's been paid for. Right? Place is set. All the utensils are out. It may even be labeled for you. Because when they got all those forks, you have no idea what's going on. And they got the water glass, and they got everything for you, and all you have to do is eat. <laughs> all you got to do is eat. Maybe that in itself takes strength and courage. How many times do we get sidetracked in life because we didn't know what we should do? We got sidetracked by just staying still. I know I should speak into my son's life but I don't know what to say. I know I should reach out to my wife and show her that I love her, but I have no idea how. I know I should reach out to my husband. I know I should do this. I don't, I, I don't know. I want you to hear in those moments, those moments that really matter, where you're dying for God to show up. Be strong and courageous. You have what it takes. Is it going to be easy? I can't promise that at all. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. Who are you listening to in life? Have you moved from a slave mindset to a conqueror mindset? Are you in transition somewhere? <coughs> and then ask yourself a question. Do you want to go on an adventure? Because this kind of lifestyle of being strong and courageous, of parting the Jordan River, of going and being a conqueror is an adventure. I know as a dad this morning, I want to go on adventures with my kids. I found myself last year kind of just skating by. I don't think they would say that. I don't think my wife would say that. But I felt like we're not doing anything fun. We're not doing anything that challenges them. We're just kind of surviving from Friday to Friday. We get through school and we get through the weekend and we just get through everything. I don't want to live that kind of life as a dad or as a parent. I want to call them to an adventure. So my son knows that he has what it takes. My daughter knows that she is loved. My daughters now know that she is loved. They are loved. Oh, English is hard. <laughs> the same promise is for you this morning. So when you're facing those moments of marriage and those moments of parenting, those, those moments of relationship, I want you to hear that promise of God, that call of God on your life to be strong and to be courageous. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I ask you to be with us and in the different pain points that we have and the different hardships that we have and the different hurts that we have. That you would be our peace. As we face the moments that, that are hard, our hardest, as we face maybe memories today, as we face challenges today, as we face difficult people today, that we would remember this pro promise to us and to Joshua to be strong and be courageous. That we face the challenges and the hardships of life with a new fervor, a new mindset that we can be conquerors. We no longer have to be slave to fear and to stuff and to things and addictions 
that have ruled our life for way too long. God, will you free us? Jesus, we know that when we accept you, when we make that minor move, when we say you be our Lord, you open our heart and our soul to the floodgates of miracles, the miracle of redemption, and the miracle of, re- of eternal life in you. And so, Lord, in this moment, at this time, we want to take out just a small step towards you and just say, God, will you forgive me and be Lord of my life? Lord, I, hear, I wish that every man in this room right now would hear the words, be strong and courageous, because you have what it takes. I pray that every woman in this room would hear those words, you are loved. That you would write that on our hearts, and we would know it, maybe for the very first time. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Um, I would appreciate your prayers tomorrow for my family. Um, They're going to uh, amputate my mom's leg tomorrow morning, I think. Um, We don't have a time. I'm missing tomorrow sometime. Um, All the different bypasses and stuff that they've been working on um, failed, or um, right now we've gotten infected, uh, which is really, really bad. And so so that other things won't go wrong in... uh, threaten her life, they're going to take the leg tomorrow. Um, appreciate all your prayers in that. Um, and I pr- appreciate your prayers for my father, and for my mother, and for myself. Um, it's not fun or easy. Um, and honestly, she's the courageous one. And she's the one showing us how to get through it. Um, so I, I lead, if you're first time here, or this is pretty new for you, Sorry, I lead by just showing you what's going on in here, and you get to see it and poke at it. And if you don't like it, sorry. (laughs) Um, But I believe that authenticity um, helps everyone deal with the the tough stuff of life. So these aren't just words of me going, well, I've never had any problems in my life or anything like that. we got issues. And I can either choose to buy into the lie like, God, you should have made my life easy. Or I can choose to hear the words, be strong and courageous. So that's my choice this morning. And I got to choose it again tonight. And I got to choose it again tomorrow. And I got to choose it again tomorrow night. And got to choose it and choose it and choose it. And it's the same thing that you guys got to choose as well. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.